Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Getting It Out Podcast. That 
was Neighboring Sounds. They're a band based out of Bergen, Norway. The track you just heard was Holiday Palaces. I do believe I've played them for you before on the podcast, but they've got a new record coming out later this year. It's called Cold in the Smart City and Holiday Palaces is the first glimpse of that. Uh, This record is going to be put out by a lot of record labels. That's how you know there are plenty of people interested in you yourself. It was probably one of them since you just heard that track. Who's putting it out? Friend Club in the US, B Core in Spain, Strictly No Capital Letters in England. Uh, where else? Friend of mine in Japan. Uh, and there's more. There's more record labels that will be putting out this record. And uh, you can check it out when the time comes. But for now, Holiday Palaces is your first glimpse at what they've got. You can call it uh, emo. You can call it post-hardcore. You can call it melodic punk. You can call it reminiscent of a lot of things from the 1990s, but these guys were actually there for it, and they're bringing that sound back refreshed with with institutional knowledge, as we say, in the business. So keep an eye on neighboring sounds from Norway. Holiday Palaces. Check it out everywhere. Okay, now what's happening on this episode of the podcast? Well, I'm going to introduce you to a Chicago duo called Mr. Flies. He doesn't look like Mr. Flies. It doesn't sound like Mr. Flies, but nothing really does. So I'd like to tell you more about them, but I think it's best that they do it themselves. But first, you know, we're stopping in New Jersey. Nobody ever wants to stop in New Jersey, but you got to sometimes and you got to check out Hot Zone right now. Since I'm a bit of a jock, a bit of a, a bit of a bro when it comes to liking things like sports, sometimes I like to come up with analogies for bands to athletes or uh, sports references, I guess, simply. And it, it was this happened many times in the podcast in the past. Once was, was talking to the great Eric Rutan, now of Cannibal Corpse, formerly of Mormon Angel, of Ripping Corpse, of Hate Eternal. Of course, that's what we were talking about back then. Anyway, we were simply talking about a quarterback debate, which is funny to say now, a quarterback debate on who the Eagles should keep, Carson Wentz or Nick Foles. No right answer on that one. We we thought we had two great options back then, by the way. We didn't is the answer there. Anyway, and we got to talking about the Lombardis in his closet from his recording career, which he thought he had many, and I would agree. Uh, I wrote a review earlier this year for Milwaukee hardcore band Big Laugh where I compared their new record to Milwaukee Bucks star Chris Middleton. This time around, I've got Mr. Flies from Chicago, and I'm having a hard time coming up with a sports-related analogy, but I'm going to go with Brett Favre. Why Brett Favre? It's just not spelled the way it sounds. That's it. They're also both very good. And uh, I don't know about uh, Mr. Flies' shady sexual history, but I'm sure there's a little bit of crotch activity. So... There you go. That's my analogy. That's who they're like. Uh, is that fair? I don't know. I don't know that much about Brett Favre now that I think about it. I know he was good. He played for the Packers. Uh, eventually the Jets. A little bit of time in Minnesota as well. He was pretty good at all three places. I know that uh, he did some some commercials about jeans. I know he's a silver fox. And uh, inevitably, the fellows and Mr. Flies will also be silver foxes. Is foxes the plural of fox? 
I don't know. It's like the old octopuses, octopi debate. Which one is it? It's pusses for sure. Looked it up, debated it many times. Definitely pusses. Anyway, I think I've already spoke too much on this episode of the podcast. I'm getting myself in hot water where I'm repeating the word pusses and uh, nothing good can come of that. So let's just get to my conversation with the fellows and Mr. Flies. That is Clinton, Jacob and Danny Sian. Sorry if I said your name wrong, Danny. And uh, you know, the usual drill, you got to hear a song first. You got to hear a track from the record and we should just go with the first one on it. Let's go with track number one, Pontiac Grand Am from their very new LP, Fat Chance. you call mr flies what, what do you, when people ask you what it is what do you say it, it's ever-changing i don't know it's like an ever-changing monster at this point uh it, it gets labeled as noise rock it gets labeled as uh punk rock it, it's kind of all over the place but i mean i feel like it's kind of genreless it just kind of it's it's ever-changing for me it's always i don't know i'm not i'm not really stuck at anything like 
I don't know. Maybe the next record might be a country record. Who knows? I like. <laughs> I just don't know. I kind of like that. It's always never. It's never sat in a pocket anywhere. It kind of skims the surface of a bunch of different things. Yeah. So just call it ugly. Uh, just call it ugly music from Chicago. <laughs> I can do that. I think. Yeah. I think there's a lot of ugly musics from Chicago, and they don't all necessarily sound the same. Yeah, it's ugly music for average people. <laughs> <laughs> The average is pretty generous. Uh, you know, you yeah. could go, you could go a lot worse. Um, so tell me about then when does, when does the band start? How do you guys get started doing this thing? Uh, I started this back in 2016. Uh, and I started it back then as honestly a joke to piss off these other bands, these other band members I was playing with. Um, cause they were really into like playing like at the time, like uh, the raconteurs and like the garage rock kind of like revival esque was really big. And I was just tied to this band because I didn't know anybody. Um, That was literally just being like a rip off, like raconteurs, Jack White band. So me and uh, the drummer at the time would just make these like insanely loud, obnoxious, like three minute songs that we would just write together and then present it to the band for them to just be like, we fucking hate that. Uh, and then a collection of those riffs, uh, eventually became flies. Uh, and the whole idea early on in flies was, uh, to get kicked out of places and to get banned from play because we would bill it as a jazz band. We would tell people it was a jazz band and, and it would just be this insane noise, rock, uh, weird avant-garde shit. Uh, and, and I loved it. I thought it was the first time I've ever played music where I was like, oh, this is exactly what I want to do. I want it to be entertaining, but I want it to be kind of an act, but also I want it to be kind of off-putting. Like, I don't want everyone to like it. The people that get it, get it. The people that don't just absolutely hate it. Uh, yeah, and it's just kind of like, again, like we talked about the Evolving Monster, it's kind of like spun from there. And um, yeah, and over time, uh, I, I was doing some touring, but really couldn't find anyone who really stuck with it because I... I'm a, I'm a workhorse. So when I start, I like, can't stop. I just have to keep going and overload tours, overload practicing, overload writing, like deadlines date. Like I just can't stop. And, uh, Danny is the first one that hasn't quit. (laughs) (laughs) Yet. No, no, he's great. Danny's great. Like he's actually like, uh, he understands it. He works just as hard. Um, he can keep up, uh, yeah. And he does it, it, it. Yeah. He's great. He's added a lot since, especially with this new record, fat chance. Um, yeah, it's, it's been really cool to work with somebody else who also has a different perspective, but also understands the bottom line of the band. Danny, how did you discover it? How did you get involved? Where did it come from, from your perspective? Yeah. Um, so Clinton and I met actually in Grand Rapids, Michigan, where I'm from. Um, and it was actually, um, I was playing with a different band at the time and we were a two piece, um, not by choice, uh, but because it had to be because like drummers kept dropping. I was playing bass, uh, first and we couldn't hold a drummer. So I started drumming. Um, and the show that I met Clinton at was my first show ever drumming for anyone. And, um, flies played and we hit it off and, um, kept in contact and then that was like in like 20, 2019, end of 2019, in like November, I think. 
and then uh, kept in contact. And then down the line, um, Clint had posted something on Instagram about like Buzz uh, recording with him. And I was like, oh, holy shit, that's cool. Like I just replied. And uh, yeah, we, we started talking again. And it turns out that we had both moved from our uh, original like hometowns to Chicago. And so we started talking and he was like, yo, I'm working on a new record and I really want to track live drums. I know you're like in another project, but would you be interested in that? And I said, hell yeah. I like, we, I went over to his house and listened to the record and it was amazing. This is a cancel culture club, the yeah. last year's release. And yeah, I tracked drums for that in December. Um, and then from there, we had just like kind of hit it off musically and started writing our own songs and stuff. So yeah, I guess that's how it came about. It's very cool. Kind of a traditional way uh, on the, on that end. Um, Clint, I, I just wanted to comment on your thing about just playing in playing in a band just to annoy people and get kicked out. And I, I did something similar when I was younger. I, I started, I called up a, uh, a friend of mine who I knew was booking a show. I said, I want you to book my band. He's like, you're in a band. And I said, well, not yet, but uh, <laughs> there will be, there will be a band on stage. So we just called it the Dan Crayley experience was, you know, very unoriginal name. Right. But that was a point. And then the, that day, I had a party at my parents' house. I was still living with my parents. And a bunch of my friends who were musicians, that's when we decided who was in the band. And we got to the show at the bar, and we had an electronic drum set, a regular drum set, a guy on a recorder, a guitar that was plugged in, a guitar not plugged in. I was doing vocals. And then we just made noise until the whole place emptied. So <laughs> so I totally understand. I always totally understand the motivations, the uh, the idea just to just to cause a little havoc. And well, make it more of a more of a performance, you know, just something ridiculous for for the sake of fun. Sure. And I and I think that's a that's I think one, I think that rules because I think the problem that I was having and why flies came about and why flies does well is because I hate rules. I don't like rules in music. Too many people put rules for everything. It's like, oh, well, we we are a metal band. We need to do metal. No, you don't. That is that's a lie. There's no such thing as rules. Like Oh, we do this, so we have to stick to this genre, and because we play this, we got to look like this. No, you don't. I, I that's I worked a long time in comedy clubs, and a lot of things. The reason why I believe Flies has done well and has grown to what it is is because I learned so much from comedians that like there are no rules. People set rules to hold themselves down, and what you just it described of like going with your gut. That's a lot of what I do, especially like how the band is formed, like what we do and stuff like that, and including. Uh, having, you know, Danny being in the band is all gut. If I don't go with my gut, it's going to be wrong. And I feel like, again, it's like instinct. And then also just understanding that nothing matters, <laughs> right. like no, no rules. And I, and I love that you were doing that. Cause that's like, to me, that's like real expressive art is just going with your gut, no rules, having fun. And I guarantee, even though you say people walked out, people probably don't forget it. Oh, yeah, 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 no. And you know, the funny thing is, is I, I actually made a lot of friends from that day because there was bands that were playing from out of town that were like, what the fuck was this? What, what are you guys doing? You know, and it was like, yeah, it was obviously yeah. just a conversation starter. And uh, some people, like, you know, from across the country, I'm still in contact with because of because of that night. Uh, so, Be yeah, it's because you expressed actual freedom. That's what it is. Right. It's true freedom. You went you did what you wanted to do. And that's real freedom. And a lot of people don't get to actually experience that. 
But when they see other people experiencing like true freedom, especially in art and expression and music, they gravitate towards it. They love it. Well, I think it, it obviously takes a little bit to get there, to get to the point where you're at, where you want to do things like that. So where does it start from you? How did you how did you come into all of it? Because playing this type of music is a few steps, like a few steps past the, the entry point. Right. So what was your path? Yeah. It, it, it's gonna it's weird um i really i i grew up liking musicals <laughs> yeah. i like i like musicals um uh, you danny can attest to this i like just the, the sound of frogs i listen to a lot of just sounds of frogs like <laughs> it's really weird because like the music itself truth be told if i could be like a singer songwriter and just be like an acoustic person i would but i can't write that like it's it's so weird how it works where for years, I was, again, I was forced when people could find out like, oh, he has a decent voice. I was forced to be in like where I grew up, which is kind of like a um, a, a hillbilly part of Ohio. Um, I grew around a lot of people who love like Stevie Ray Vaughan and blues bands. So when I was younger, like 16, hey, I'm from the hillbilly part of Pennsylvania. So it was, well, I'm not that far you, off. You know what I mean? You get it. Yeah, you get it. Yeah. And it was a lot of like my opportunities as like a 16, 17 year old person in music was we can sneak you in this bar and you can be in a bar band and you can sing for it. And that was a lot of what I did early on. And it was great to perform, but I'm a, I'm a freak. So it did not, it did not work for me because again, it's the rules, but it was like, the more I was doing it, the more I was like entertaining, I would pull like bits and things and pieces of things that I like. Like I like to perform. I like to sing. I like to make people laugh. I also like to make, you know, I like to do like odd, weird stuff. And it was just kind of this combination of pulling inspiration from different things that I did in my life that wasn't all just music. It, uh, it was just like things that actually made me happy. And I feel like that's what really flies is, is a combination of all these different things that have happened in my life, rather trying to do stand up, being involved in a stand up club, um, playing in this bad blues bar band, playing in a terrible Jack White ripoff tours thing like all this combination of and then touring with that band for a little bit and being like i really like this but no one else around me understands that all these people around me in these smaller bands are like staring at their feet and i'm like looking ahead like i want the big picture and everyone's looking at their feet and i'm like this is not enough so i think it was a lot of that of like pulling these inspirations and moving forward and moving forward and it just like came together and again just trusting my gut. Like I, I learned a long time ago to be like, go with your gut. If people aren't going to understand it, no one understood flies when it first started in Cincinnati. It was not what people were doing. It was off putting. It was loud. It, every sound person hate us. I have so many recordings of sound guys just screaming at being like turned down or stop. And no one got it and everybody laughed at it. And it's like, well, now I'm torn with the Melvin. So you go fuck yourself. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, I think I think you ended up winning or winning out in, in a in a way. Uh, Danny, yeah. just because I want because I want to make sure we don't miss you too. How, what about you? How did you get into this type of uh, just get down this road? I guess this, musically. Yeah, totally. Um, well, I I really just let me think. Um, well, I actually like played. I started playing out. I started off as a guitarist, so I, I played actually like jazz bands in like high school and stuff and from there um like my one friend in high school played drums so we would get together after school and like play together and that was my first time playing with anyone 
when I was like, you know, 16 or something. And so um, we would get to the other and play and I was like, oh, okay, I really like doing this. Once I got over the first couple shows of like nervous, you know, nerves and stuff, I was like, okay, I have like the itch to like make music and like play for people. And so that just evolved. I was in like a couple, like, you know, I come from like a kind of like punkier like scene where it's like, no one really knows how to play their instruments, you know, we're just yeah, like yeah, yeah. doing it because it's like fun. Uh, and it's fun to be in a band and have that like kind of it feels like you're in a special club, you know, and you have like you're doing this really like niche kind of thing. And like, I don't know. So that's kind of how I got into it. And so I just kind of progressed into like being in multiple bands in Grand Rapids. And then kind of like what Clinton said, like I, I was just always a really hard worker when it came to music and I was always practicing and stuff and always thinking about the big picture. And, you know, once I started playing the shows, I was like, this is all I want to do, you know? And so I would kind of switch through these bands because a lot of times I wasn't like necessarily no, like we weren't on the same page, you know, I always wanted to do something bigger and things like that. And so um, I, I moved from Grand Rapids to Chicago with the band and kind of similar thing, you know, um, and then, you know, I, I got hooked up with Lynn and immediately I was like, oh, okay, he's like really serious about this. And this is like all he wants to do. Like, mm -hmm. I finally found someone who's kind of on the same page with like, if I don't do this, I'll like die, you know? So, <laughs> so it's a perfect match. You know, I, I'm very fortunate and lucky to have found Clinton because I think we really understand and have the same bar of like what we want out of it and what we want to do and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's very cool. I, I, I gotta say, I think, I think the band first came on my radar just last year. I'm going to say it was probably with cancel culture club. It might've been from a, a Dan press release, you know, I, I don't, I don't know, but it's like, it came quick, but then I think about it and I'm like, well, I can't be right because I kind of think actually Clinton, if you move your head just a little bit, I think I have a t-shirt of that, that one, that one, no coast, poster that uh, Jeff uh, Helen sent me. So were you guys on that? That is the, okay. I was going to play that one and then my dad died. So it's, oh, no. <laughs> it didn't it's, it's fine. He's six feet in the ground. He won't know any difference. Uh, we were going to, we were going to play that one. Yeah. And then the family shit happened and we couldn't play it, but Jeff was kind enough to hold on to the poster. And that was right before the pandemic. So yeah, yeah, yeah. we had planned, um, I had done a tour, uh, and it was like 30, 40 dates prior in November. And then I think this was, that was 2020, I, exactly I thought. Yeah. And it was like, cause this was right before the pandemic, right? 2020. Yeah. Uh, it was either right before or right after. I just, I remember he sent me that shirt while the yeah. pandemic was going on that summer. And I don't know if it happened, if no, that no coast happened or if it got canceled or, or what. I think it's, I think it still happened, but something, I think it was because of the family issue we couldn't go. And then shortly after that's when pandemic city happened and everything was done. And that's when I wrote all of cancel culture club during the whole pandemic. Cause I was like, well, that's not going to sit. I'm going to yeah. do something. Right. Well, okay. So my, my point is this, that somewhere in that time period between then sure. and, and uh cancel culture club, that's, that's when you guys get, get on my radar. And the first thing for me, of course, like I'm sure everybody, and I'm sure it's kind of fucking annoying to explain, but you did it to yourselves. What's up with the name? 
Oh, uh, it, yeah, it's literally that. The idea was for people to never find it. So it's spell it fully wrong, fully backwards. So no one can ever find it because social media is such a like money grabbing pit now that it's not like MySpace where I wish MySpace still existed because you could just you could build a fan base and you could build yeah. actual following with MySpace because there was no gates. And I figured out I was like, OK, if I spell it wrong and purposely say it wrong. And then when people who people who like the page genuinely went out of their way to find it, like they yeah. looked for it. So it was a better way of me tracking like people who actually were following the band. Uh, but yeah, I mean, every venue spells it wrong. Um, everyone says it wrong. But in my brain, when I came up with it, I was like, that to me is the way flies is spelled. And this like fucked up world of flies. It should the name should also be fucked up. So that's where it came from. I just spelled it wrong and it looks good. Well, I continue to spell it wrong. I think the first time I emailed you, I, the reason you didn't get it is because I sent it to like an extra Z, you know, like it just, you know, it just keeps going. And, uh, and sometimes I don't know where to cut it off, but all right. So, so like I said, that's, that's about the time period that you get, you get on my radar. One of the, but I was surprised because you see right away you're on uh AMREP, which well abbreviated, you know, everybody knows that abbreviation. Well, not everybody, sorry. I shouldn't say that. A lot of people know, you know, pretty classic, classic label for kind of off kilter music, which, uh, like throws legitimacy at it right away. Right. You see, it's one of those labels you see is amphetamine reptile. And it's like, well, I, I need to listen to this, uh, check out what, what it is, which is what I did with you guys. How did, how did that happen? How did you make that connection? So again, the band, uh, I would make people look for it. So I, yeah, I would promote and I would share my music anywhere I could and stuff like that. But shows and all that I would I would make people hunt and I was consistently releasing and recording almost everything on my own except the original EP we recorded at a debunk strip club and I that one we got some like really cool sounds out of but I think what pulled Tom in was a live recording uh real life suicide uh yeah. and apparently the background is I got an email and it was just basically a blank email that said, do you have physicals, Tom? And then I, I responded with, no, I don't, not planning on it. And I didn't realize until I did some more digging at the email, I was like, oh, that's weird. That's like a, who is this person? Like I always look, cause I never get emails. Like we're too little, it's yeah. too weird for us to get emails. So I looked into it and I was like, Thomas Hazelmeyer. And then I looked into it and I was like, that's AMREP. And I thought it was a friend just fucking with me because they know I, that's what the band was. I thought someone was fucking with me. But then one way or another, like a week later, Tom got a hold of my phone number. Rather, I had emailed it to him to call the bluff or, but he called me and he was like, I'm really liking what you're doing. Like, I like it a lot. And he's like, I don't really do much with the label other than like, he was like, Melvin's you, are you know, familiar with Melvin's? Yeah. I was like, yeah, yeah of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, and I love AMREP. I've loved AMREP for a while. And he was like, I I'm thinking about doing this dope guns, uh, compilation. If you're cool, I might put a song on it. I was like 100%. Uh, and then as time went on, we, we've just built this relationship and talking to other people who used to be in the AMREP, uh, world and that were close with Tom or no Tom told me that he was like, Tom had been watching us for a year. And that just didn't say anything, just been watching the band for a year from a distance to just see if I was serious, to see if it was 
something worth the time. And he showed a ton of people and got their opinions. And yeah, and, and Tom's a very calculated, very smart businessman. So it is high praise for him to take on a new band when he's not doing new bands uh, yeah. because he really sees something. And the more I've come to know Tom and we become good buddies is like, it's the same thing. We all have just a really strong work ethic and we really give a shit about art. And that's like the people you want to be around. And yeah, he, uh, he did that little release. And then he was like, do you ever think about doing a full length? And I was like, yeah, I've been thinking about it. And then we did like a CD and then slowly he started doing vinyl. It's like, it's like trial by fire. He was just seeing like sure. what, what we would do. And I love that. Like, give me, a, I rather give, give me a challenge and make me work for it. I don't want to be handed everything. So well, it was it's great. a fucking smarter way to go too. I mean, you see so many labels, or at least I've seen so many labels just press shit and then just have it pile up and sit there. And that's not good for anybody, right? That sucks when well, you're the one who made it. And yeah, it's like, oh, wow, this is nobody likes this. You know, it's one thing to, I don't know, like, feel like nobody likes it but then to like get get proof that nobody likes it is a little yeah. a little stings a little more right it's but, a I mean, daunting that, ass feeling <laughs> yeah oh god i got seven inches out the ass for my old band you know <laughs> send me one it's a little weird huh send me one <laughs> i might uh got plenty um the but all right so the uh so there's cancel club i'm gonna say cancel culture club and then and then i'm fucking just sitting here whatever it was last week the week before was i was on vacation i think uh and i see an email about fat chance didn't know it was coming did was this supposed to be a surprise release record why did it just show up uh we had been touring um and we were playing a lot because you know the pandemic stopped everything and then as soon as the pandemic was good enough where we could go back out, we're, I was just hitting it hard again. I was like, I want to get these songs, the cancel culture, like whatever we can play, plus some old ones, because Dan was newer, new to the band at that point, at least playing like live shows. So we were just playing a bunch. And then also the same thing. As soon as I put something out, I'm done. I'm, I'm ready yeah. to start writing and do the next thing. And we were already like writing, workshopping songs, trying stuff, you know, I very much, again, I, I like to just take stuff trial by fire, just take it out, even if it's early with it. I'd rather throw it in front of people and see how they react and then just kind of shape from there. And we were doing that a lot. And then it just slowly went from like cancel culture songs to this whole new batch of songs fairly quickly. And we did a re-release of Penitent Curtis, which was the first release on AMRAP. And I immediately took that check and I told Tom, I was like, I'm just going to make another record. So as soon as you write me the check, I'm putting it back into a record. And he was like, done. That's great. So got the check. We booked the time at electrical audio in Chicago and made the record. And what was it, Danny? Four days. Yeah. Four days. Yeah. Four days. Had it sent off to Tom and Tom had a press of it within like four or five months. Wow, that's pretty impressive for uh, for right now, especially. I guess yeah. I guess the turnaround times are getting better better with all that stuff, but um, I'm sure some of that efficiency is credit to his longevity and uh, mm -hmm. knowing what to do, how to do it. Because uh, like mm -hmm. we talk about, Am Amrep, well known and uh, highly regarded from a lot. Dan, where Danny, where I'm sorry. Obviously, you guys work well together. Is it the way you prefer to work? These quick these quick turnovers with records like this? Oh, I mean, it's, it's amazing. Like I, uh, I, 
yes. Short, short answer, yes. Um, I've never really had a band really last long enough to do like, you know, two albums, three albums, like turn over fast. Um, normally it's kind of like one album and done. Um, but yeah, I mean, working with Clinton's a dream because that's, you know, I like to work hard and work fast and not, you know, mull over the same songs for like two years. Like I get, you know, I get bored. So I, I like working fast and, you know, making new stuff. Like it's always like, you know, once we play songs for about like a year or whatever, it's like, okay, yeah. I'm ready to make some new stuff, you know? So it's perfect for me. Would you guys say this, the music on Fat Chance is significantly different in any type of way from the, from the previous releases? Oh yeah, totally. Um, yeah. I mean, especially from, uh, well, I mean, you have different personnel too on like all the flies records, sure. the constant of course is Clinton. Um, but you know, I, Pennant Curtis is a, a little more, I would say almost med, metal leaning. Like, I mean, not completely true, but, uh, you know, there's like double bass in it and stuff. And you have a very hard hitting drummer, you know, and then cancel culture club. It was all Clinton, um, all Clinton songs that he wrote over quarantine. So that has its own voice, you know, and then the fat chances, um, you know, obviously us, um, and we wrote all the songs together in the same room, you know, so that, and we have like different influences and stuff. So, you know, everything is, every album's I feel like will sound a bit different, hopefully, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's really it is like the, it, get, it goes back to just like do whatever feels good. And mm -hmm. that's a lot of like what fat chance turned into. It was just like, whatever felt good in the room is the song. And, you know, it's not again, trying to fall in any sort of vein. It was just like, whatever feels good should be the song. And I don't like to write filler. I'm not, I, if, if the records are short, because that's how many songs I think are really good right now. Like yeah. I rather have a record of five songs than 12 and like 10 of, you know, five of them stink where I'm like, Oh, that's, yeah. that's terrible. So mm -hmm. that also opens it up for us when we're, when we're writing and putting out these records is it's just this ever changing. I, I can confidently write things. I can write songs all day. I'm confident with that. Um, but do I love all of them? That's the big thing. So with this record, it was really great because all these songs that we had, and by the time we were ready to record, I was like, I like all of these songs. I like all of them live. And that's always important to me is the translation live. And I was like, I like all of these live. So I can't imagine when we go in a studio where we're not a two piece in a studio, we track it as a two piece, but I'm fully open to whatever the song calls for or feels we'll put in. I got I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. 
Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. I don't want to limit ourselves that way because that's, you will get a, a record that sounds the same. So studio-wise, I, I do like that aspect, especially when we were at Electrical Audio because they were down for us to do whatever we wanted. And I'm... I went in there with the idea of telling all of them that I was like, look, I've had bad studio experiences before because people don't understand what I do. And I'm not trying to break your shit. I just want to break out of the norm. I don't want to be, and I love them. I don't want to be tracked like the white stripes. I love the white stripes, but the white stripes are the white stripes. There's one. There doesn't need to be two because people will say, well, that's just the one. That's just another white stripes. There's (laughs) one black keys for a reason. They're, they sound like the Black Keys. So going into there, Taylor Hales that we used, he was great. He was very open to like the strangest stuff. Like Danny did a bunch of strange stuff. Um, well, tell him what you did, Dan. Yeah. yeah um, for example, on uh, Pontiac Grand Am, it's, uh, the lyrics are resembling like an hellish like drive in a Pontiac Grand Am. And so at the very end of the song, we were like wanting to resemble like a car crash noise. And so we were like just literally throwing like garbage and like trash symbols down the electrical audio stairs. And like we were like, Taylor, can we throw this stuff down the stairs? (laughs) And he was like, yeah, go for it. That sounds awesome. You know, and he was like, I'll make sure you get a video too. Like that's just the kind of like openness that he has like. We made like a cool like sound collage for the intro of Modern Life, which is just like literally like banging on found objects like a coffee can and like a baseball bat we found in the corner of the studio. And he was like very open to all all of it. It was re- a really cool experience. That's very cool. And, I, I, and uh, particularly those two tracks uh, stand out to me on a, the Pontiac song. That's the, or that's the one that starts off the record, right? That's the first track. And uh the modern life track, which I saw you just put a video out for you. I've been jokingly referring to myself as the new metal song on the yeah. <laughs> on the record, <laughs> which uh, which I don't like. I know that sounds like it might be an insult, but it's not. I, no, <laughs> I think it's, it's not. That that whole genre is like it's insane. It's like an insane genre. Like again, I have no qualms on any genre. I can pull something it's from the, anything. It's the progressive metal that gets no respect. That's what it is. Yeah, it's just yeah, so totally. like West Borland. I don't give a shit what people say. If you don't think West Borland is like innovative and crazy, like, I mean, his riffs are just nuts. Like they make no sense, but also make perfect sense for that band. Like right. <laughs> I'm a I'm a huge fan of like all anyone who takes a guitar and makes a sound crazy weird where you're like, what the hell is that? Uh, <laughs> I'm glad you like that song because it was it was very much. Another song that was like, it's literally one note. It's one note, the entire song, except near the end, there's like a, some different variation. But it was that. It was like, can we write a song with one note and can it be absolutely insanely heavy? Like, yeah. <laughs> that was the point, was the challenge. Can we take one string and write the heaviest, dumbest song? And I think we did it. <laughs> <laughs> well then i know why i'm referencing uh new metal with again not even as an in, not even as an insult um, no <laughs> you 
you won't hear me, especially to sparge uh, uh, Limp Bizkit. Uh, Not in this house, dog. Big Limp Bizkit totally. fan right here. Had a, yeah. had a whole wall when I was a kid dedicated to uh, to that band. And Did uh, you like no the new shame. record? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Dog, a band, like, I get so, I love that band. And I get so, like, annoyed when people are like, oh, that band sucks. I don't like when people knock Limp Biscuit for the reason that that band had such a foresight to know people were going to hate them that they call their new record still sucks. They take the <laughs> they take the wind out of everything. And that's what I love about them. They don't give a shit. They're there to do it for them. And yeah. that's so sick. <laughs> it is. It is. I, 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 uh, you know, when I was younger, I was like all in. Right. And then I got a little older. And I was like, I was too cool for it. And then later I went back and was like, hold on a second, let's let's revisit this, uh, you know, all the, you know, and now I just appreciate the whole thing because yeah. you hit that weird thing, like when you're getting into or you know, going through like your musical evolution or whatever, where you get like embarrassed of the shit you usually listen to. Maybe some people, most people probably. I never um, have. <laughs> yeah, well, as I say, I, I I suspected, and then uh, and then like you, I, I go back, I go back now, and everything's on the table now. I I just and I, I kind of have to talk with my kids all the time too. Like, don't ever get rid of your music, whatever no. you have that you think you hate right now, just keep it. It'll yeah. come. Just give it to me. We'll keep it. We'll keep it on the shelves down here. You know, and yeah. it'll. Mm. You know, you you'll want to revisit it. Yeah, you're never too. You're, I feel like you're never too cool for a good memory. That's how I look at like all music. All music to me is tied to like music that I love is always tied to like some of the best moments of my life. I love Death Cab for Cutie up and down the road all day. Every some of the best memories I have are when my parents bought me the a very they saved up all their money and got me the shittiest 1999 Cadillac DeVille that they could afford because I wanted a Cadillac so bad as like a poor kid. And it was beat the hell, but it had a great CD player. And for that birthday, the 16th birthday, I got that. And I got the Death Cab for Cutie album plans. And I remember I drove all around our country town, like listening to that record vividly every summer. So it's like a lot of people be like, oh, Death Cab, uh, stupid. <laughs> no, it's a, tied to an amazing memory in my life. And it's like, I'm not embarrassed of that one bit. Good, good. You should be. Danny, now you got to you gotta bring one to the table here. Yeah, totally. Uh, uh... Anything like people uh, call it guilty I, pleasures, but I don't think it's you know that's that's not true. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I I I kind of missed like the the emo kind of like screamo wave, and I was just a sad boy. Like, I listened to like Jose Gonzalez, like which is a, he's a great musician, great guitarist, great songwriter. Um, uh, let me think. I mean, I still I love I love Radiohead, and some people oh, are just too. like. Oh, like Tom York, so like, you know, why is he crying? He's like a rich white guy. Like, I don't know. I'm like, I'm into all the like sad music. I love it. Um, oh, OK Computer gets the most plays in this house than anywhere. Oh, ever, yeah. I think as yeah. is considered maybe the greatest album ever in this house. Uh, so oh, totally. It's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, all right. So let's 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 go back to uh, Mr. Flies. Why? stay a duo why has the band always been a duo it's you make way more money because <laughs> <laughs> you're in it for, well, for the money <laughs> yeah. yeah it's it's all about the coin um i mean this suit came from goodwill so i've got money um no i think a duo i i don't so 
if we're going way back when I was like a kid, uh, I, I, I love the white stripes. So I was like obsessed with the white stripes as a kid. And mm -hmm. at the time, uh, this girl that I was dating, her dad had a drum set. So me and her would like play all the time. We literally could play the under the black pool lights DVD from front to end. And after that, I got into like, again, like I was playing with other bands and, you know, I just realized early on that the more, the more people you have in the kitchen is like, there's always going to be an issue. Cause I was in a band that had like four or five members and it would be, you couldn't do shows or, or practice or everyone was fighting about something. And it's like with technology and the way things have advanced, I can still make these songs feel like a full band. It's like a challenge to me. It's, it's easy. I could have a bassist and another guitarist and somebody does samples and it could be insane, but it's not going to be as impressive if just two people are up there doing it. And and the songwriting to me is a lot more personal when it's just two people because it's a very intimate writing process then. And I don't know, I've always gravitated now since seeing the White Stripes and being blown away by this band where I'm like, how do they do this? Uh, I've just always gravitated towards the two piece, not only just for convenience, but I mean, look how long I've, this band has lasted a pretty a long time. I've flown through some members, sure, but the idea of the band has lasted I think mostly because the intimacy. I just love writing as a two-piece. And I can play bass, so I can just add bass <laughs> if I wanted to. <laughs> Nobody's listening for the bass anyway, you know? Nobody knows yeah. about the bass. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a it's like a required instrument for a lot of people. Uh, I'm kidding, but I'm also not. Um, <laughs> it, it, gets, it gets weird when you get into those worlds, too. And like Danny and I have discussed, I mean, again, the band has no there's no cap on the band. So if by chance one time we're like, okay, we want to do a tour with a bassist, we'll do a tour sure. with the bassist. I mean, we can, we're, it's not like we can tear down. We can only go up. So I look at it now where it's like, okay, I could do a whole run. I could do this whole tour as a two piece, this upcoming run. We could do flies, the two piece version. And then I could do flies, the full band with a fucking orchestra version or the full with, you know, another bassist or another guitarist. Like to me, that just makes it, it keeps it more exciting where it's still the core is us too. But if we want to tour again with a different mix, we could just add whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, there's a band, they might be based in Chicago now. I know they weren't, they didn't start there that I really like off with their heads who does a duo tour now where they play just him and, you know, just two guys and, talk to them about it. And they said kind of, it's kind of something similar. Like we can always do the full band tour, but we can also yeah. just do, just do this. And I think that's, I think that's pretty cool. So speaking of Chicago, tell me about where you fit in locally or do you not fit in locally? Cause I know, <laughs> I know a lot of, uh, I know a lot of, um, I know a lot of different bands from Chicago, but what I mostly know is like hardcore bands. I know like uh, Salvation. I know, uh, like I said, Off With Their Heads. Like I, there are bands that I know that I listen to a lot of from Chicago, but nothing that really sounds like Flies, which I'm not, which I'm sure is not a surprise. So where do you slot in? Yeah, I mean, like Flies definitely will still, like still sticks out um, in a, you know, the best way. Um, but, you know, there are a lot of like heavier bands that, that are doing like 
you know, just things that are just as crazy and just as ambitious. Um, we we play a lot with like Heat Death. They're like this awesome two piece. They're kind of more um, like theatrical, um, but they're super heavy um, and super catchy and fun. Uh, we play a lot with this band Urine Hell. We have a show with them uh, on Saturday actually, and they're kind of more um, like chat pile esque. Uh, yeah, yeah. Just like kind of more complex. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's like. Those are just two examples. There's like a ton of bands out here that are doing like crazy loud shit, you know? Um, and even like the more, um, the like less chaotic bands or less noisy bands still, like we still kind of fit in pretty well. Cause we have like some songs that are a little catchier and stuff. And there's a lot of kind of like post-punk bands or like, you know, bands that you can just like dance to. And like, we kind of fit well, even like on a mixed bill, there's like a lot of really cool music happening in Chicago um yeah and clinton said in an earlier interview like he is always kind of associated with chicago with kind of like indie uh like indie rock but like there's so much more it goes so much deeper than that like we've played uh we've been playing for like a year or two now in in chicago and uh there's like still bands that i'm hearing about or that i'll go out you know even on like a thursday night or something and see a band that's fucking incredible and i'm just like where's this band been the past like you know two years like it's just it's awesome. It's a very deep, supportive uh, scene. That's very cool to hear. And that's that's about what I assumed based on what I know. Cities like Chicago, Denver and Baltimore right now seem to and even Atlanta seem to all have like underrated scenes like but, but like you talk about, it's like real deep and wide. Like there's just so much shit going on. And it allows it, and whenever that's happening, I think in like a local uh, city's music scene, it allows for so much more mixing, so much more diversity in the bands and the people and the crowds that make it so much more fun. Because when it's when there's so few bands that sound like whatever, it just becomes I don't know, it somehow it becomes competitive, more competitive when there's less. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's, it gets turns to a cutthroat thing. And, uh, that's always stupid when it's a bunch of nerdy musicians, you know, (laughs) that's, that's what I, how I felt when I've never been like a scene person or involved in like, really like a local scene. And it's not any, anything other than it it just didn't fit in. And, And it was like exactly what you just said, Dan, it was the, it's the, almost like the clicky competitive and you know, when I moved to Chicago, I really felt like I clicked a lot more with people here because everyone here is about their art and about making music and super supportive. I mean, hands down, one of the most supportive scenes I've ever, you know, ever been involved in rather traveling or living. Everyone cares. Like everyone wants you to do well. It's not like in a small town where one person does well and they're like, oh, he's he's a sellout, like all this other stuff versus Chicago where everything we've done people have just been nothing but like praising and like excited for us and also helping spread the word because artists and musicians that want to do it for a career or want to do it full time or want to do it for the rest of their lives understand if the scene's doing well and someone in their scene is doing well that's just more opportunity for them to do well it's not yeah oh fuck you you're doing great you're shit you're not you're too big for this town it's no, they're bringing attention to the town, which now brings attention to us. So, right. I mean, it's I the classic, it it's the classic cliche, all a high tide raises all ships, you yeah. know, that 
and 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 if <laughs> if when pettiness gets in there, people start uh, another stupid metaphor poking holes in each other's boats, and I, <laughs> and it just gets yeah. just gets weird. Uh, and competitive again. So, so I'm glad, I'm glad you found a place where flies seems to fit in, uh, yeah. or out or whatever the fuck phrase you want to work. It works for what you guys are doing. And that's <laughs> very cool. Um, it even flows. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> a little Eddie veteran here. But, um, so oh, hell yeah, the, baby. <laughs> the record <laughs> fat chance came out officially. So you got some like weird dates on this, like officially digitally was just the 16th i think yeah 13th maybe 13th 13th yeah and then now is there already vinyl available the 23rd is that is that right yeah the vinyl dropped last sunday and it 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 like sold out within like three minutes That's so it was gone and then I was hyped that it sold out in three minutes. And then Tom was like, Oh, we have another edition that we should post. And that sold out within like the same hour it was gone. So it was really well, cool to just watch then, it. Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it blew, it blew out really quick. And that's another reason why I, you know, I like working with AMREP. It's not to everyone. It, it does feel weird. Like the releases feel weird and the times feel weird and they feel like sudden and urgent, but Again, I, that's what I love about Tom. It's like, you have a chance if you don't get it, sorry. Like it's, it's just that. And it's, we haven't really talked about a repressing of anything other than we did Penitent Curtis on vinyl. Cause it first came out at CD, but I love the idea of it just being like fight over it. Yeah. If you get it, you get it. If you don't, you don't. I have a bunch that I'm, we purposely told no one, but I'll tell you now that we told no one, but we have a, a whole tour edition that we're taking. We never posted about it. We have a whole edition we're taking on tour for that reason. It's like, people are already fighting over it. There's already people sending us messages like crazy. I missed it. What am I doing? I'm like, well, now you can just come to the tour. You're limited to getting these. If you, if you miss out on that, that's it. There's no right. more. To add to what Clinton was saying, I feel like the way that um, Tom does his releases. It's just, it's kind of like a collector. It's like a piece of art, you know? So it kind of, it kind of, uh, is elevated to, to being like, like, you know, a fine art, like, you know? Um, so it, it, it kind of makes sense that it's done in like limited batches, you know? Yeah, no, no. I, 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 I like that as well. Kind of like we talked about before when you overpress something and you get stuck yeah. with it, it just becomes like this weird, burden and why the shelf above me is sagging um, <laughs> yeah but all right so you mentioned the tour so tell me all about that yeah i mean we're um about a month out from going out on the road with melvin's and boris uh it's fucking crazy we're doing like all we're doing like 42 dates with them um every day except for new york i believe um so yeah i mean we're very grateful and fortunate to be going out with them and it's fucking crazy. I don't know. We're excited. Yeah, we, we have that. Um, uh, yep. The Melvins and Boris, and then we're going to come home. Can't not really sure yet. I think we might be going out with another band, but I can't like confirm it yet, but another pretty big band for the rest of the year, potentially into the new year. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like Danny said, super grateful. Can't be more, you know, grateful for Buzz and Dale for 
asking us to be a part of the tour and they've helped us on our last tour a bunch where we had a date fall through and they were like, you can just play this show. You can play this date. You're in town with us. Just play this date with us. So they hooked us up then and our van broke down and the first person to reach out was buzz asking if we're good, if you know, we need anything. So they've been like a, a super, excuse me, a super just helpful band. And then, you know, now them allowing us to open is just, just going to, it's in reality, it's just going to open doors for us. And I can't be, you know, I can't be more excited, more grateful. And just also playing a bunch of markets that I've never played before. And I can't wait to scare every single person. I meet. there you have it that was my conversation with the fellas and mr flies the song you just heard was modern life which of course we talked about quite a bit in this interview that's the new metal sounding track to my ears uh you know what i mean by it. we know what i meant by it, and that's all that really matters i don't care what you are gonna pick up put down whatever you're doing today just do it uh confidently what am i talking about now where did I go with that? I don't know. None of your business. Anyway, I want to thank the fellows for their time, for their conversation, for being friendly and uh, fun to talk to. Not always the case here on Getting It Out podcast, but sometimes it is. And lately it has been. So thanks to Danny and Clinton for that and for their music. Fat Chance is another great record by them. If you haven't heard that one yet, well, put it in your queue as well as Cancel Culture Club. Both records out now on Amphetamine Reptile Records. Uh, It doesn't sound like you can get physical copies of either, either of them. Trust me, I've tried. They don't exist, at least not for normal people like you and I. If you're lucky enough to have picked them up, I hope you enjoy them and hide them well, because I'll steal them from you if I get the chance. Anyway, what's happening on this week 
on this week. What does that mean? I don't know. The first week of uh, of August. It's not the first full week of August. I like how we reserve certain weeks for that. That's the second week of August. What does that mean? Look it up, man. Why do I always tell you to look things up? What am I like? Uh, Google's assistant. I'm, I'm Google's assistant. I tell you to go do things on Google where Google's real assistant is like, here, let me do that for you. So I'm bad AI. Actually, I think Alan Iverson was bad AI and this new stuff has got to be better than him, right? At least it's a better person. Who knows? Sixers fan. I should be a bigger fan of Alan Iverson. Simply not, not true. Great basketball player. Sure. But one time he said something disparaging about Charles Barkley and I will never let that go. Speaking of Charles Barkley, this has nothing to do with him. Go over to gettingitout.net. Check out what's going on over there. Lots of new music news up and available today. I've already announced some upcoming episodes on Getting It Out podcast. Of course, this one with Mr. Flies, which you are done listening to now. And the next one, I believe, is going to be Grove Street, which is a crossover hardcore band from the UK. Cool interview with two of those guys, Sandy and Josh. And then there's Hoya from Madball which is uh, one that just kind of fell into the lap and I'm really excited about it. It was an awesome conversation and I'm very stoked to share that with you when the time comes. Also, maybe soon my, my old, my new old microphone and headphones will show up and I can get back to the sound quality you were used to hearing with getting it out podcast. I apologize for what it sounds like at current, but thanks for sticking through it. Anyway, I think I've spoken enough. I think I've said anyway enough times. I'm going to leave you with a track from Poland's Dope Lord. Yeah, you're welcome. This song is off of their new LP dropping uh, later this year on Blues Funeral Recordings. Uh, excellent record label. Excellent, excellent. Did I ever mention, maybe he mentioned, when I had Jad Schickler on from Magnetic Eye Records, he probably mentioned that he also runs uh, Blues Funeral Records. And uh, this song is off of a, a record that's going to be on there. Fifth studio album, Dope Lord's fifth studio album. It's called Songs for Satan. The song is the debut single. It's called Night of the Witch. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.